Hello, this is Richard Outram, and welcome to the Prepare for Growth podcast series, bite-sized wisdom for leadership and personal development. So thank you for taking time out to join me. I'm so grateful for this unique opportunity. And welcome to the Prepare for Growth podcast series, our weekly series. And this week, I'm thrilled to introduce Matt Shaw, president of Stephen Douglas, a leading boutique search and project-based professional services firm serving mid-market to Fortune 500 companies throughout the United States and internationally. Prior to Stephen Douglas, Matt was a regional managing director of Florida for Sirian. Matt serves on the board of directors of United Way of Broward County and YPO, the Young Presidents Organization. I've known Matt for over 22 years. He's a dear friend of mine. We both reside here in South Florida. And as a matter of fact, I've hired him for my own talent searches in companies I've been um, involved in. And also he's actually placed me as a CFO in one particular instance as well. He has built a tremendously successful practice over the years, as Stephen Douglas is known as a premier search firm based here in South Florida. And Matt is going to share his wisdom bites around how we navigate the war on talent. So Matt, the typical format here, three segments, what have you learned, what would you change, and what are you grateful for? The largest segment of this is really what you've learned. We're going to get into some dialogue. You're going to share some tremendous wisdom bites for our emerging leaders. And so let's kick it off, Matt. Your advice for leaders to improve their chances for a successful hire. Well, first, I want to thank you for inviting me along. I'm, I'm honored. I'm honored. And, uh, Absolutely. And I definitely appreciate uh, the friendship that we've had over the last 20 plus years. Yes. I think it's 20... <laughs> Three years, yes. um, you know, start started as a client. Yes, became absolutely. became a friend. Yes. became a candidate, and then have been a client along the way, and just a just a a, a great uh, colleague of mine. And we know each other's families, and we know each Casey, other's families. So it's Matt really and Brittany, fabulous. Thank really, you, really, Thank really you great. And and so, um, you know, as as I approach the uh, the answer to that question, I'll just share with uh, the emerging leaders that. Um, you know, think of me as an executive search professional because I've been doing that for 24 years now. Uh, but also think of me as a business owner that's scaled a company from one to 17 offices and from 15 to over 300 employees, right? And so over the last 14 years. And so, so I think I come at this a little differently than, than someone who just uh, practices executive search all day long every day because uh, I've hired a lot of people along the way in my leadership roles and, 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 uh, made some really great decisions and made lots of mistakes along the way as well. So, um, so you know, as, as I think about the question, uh, advice for leaders to improve their chances of a successful hire, um, you know, I think that, that sometimes companies and individuals uh, are so focused on uh, the, the opening that they have, the, the specific um, you know, job that's been vacated or uh, the title of that position and the responsibilities of that position. Uh, that that they don't really take a step back and and um, you know look at the overall organization, the group, the department. You know, it really depends on what what part of the company we're looking at, and and how that position fits into that team, right? And and you know, it, it, is it an opportunity to actually change things a bit, shake things up? Um, you know, because I look a lot at, uh, we talk a lot about here about creating unique ability teams. And I think that um, too often, you know, we wind up with too many of the same types of people on a team. 
uh, that are all good at the same things, and, and there's not enough complementary skill sets. So, so I, I would. So my best advice as I think about you know improving your chances for a successful hire is really be thoughtful, take a step back, you know, um, ask for some advice from people on the team, ask from other leaders what they think about that role and how the person would fit in and what type of person they think would would be best for the role, and then make sure you have an alignment on the team and with the leadership team about what that role should should um, look like, what the person's background should be, and, and, and what the expectations of that role would be. Um, because I think too many times we don't put enough thought in on the front end, uh, and then we don't like the outcome on the back end, right, because we hire the wrong people. Uh, in, in, you know, they may be the right people in the wrong situation. Um, you know, um, so so I, th- I think that's, that's the part, is the planning part on the front end and getting alignment and, and then, uh, then then the other thing is really building an inspiring process, right? You know, think about who's going to be a part of the interview process. Yep. Uh, make sure there is alignment with everyone who's going to be a part of the process because you'd be shocked um, at, at, uh, at some of the things that are said during interviews where one of the people on the sleigh will say, I don't even know why we're filling this job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or, I don't, you know, and, 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 and then, the, then the candidate, obviously, in a very tough labor market is, uh, is a little concerned, like, why would I come here if not everybody's even, you know, excited about this hire, right? Uh, um, so, so, you know, make sure everyone who you put on that schedule knows what you're hiring for, what you're looking for, what their role in the hiring process is, right? Sometimes you'll put somebody on the slate that has nothing to do with the job. Yeah. Just because you, you think they're a great judge of character, you think they are really good at, and we do that here. Um, you know, we will bring people into the process that really that person won't work for. Um, but just because we, we know they understand the culture, we know they know what a great candidate looks like, uh, and, and they just have a way about, you know, uh, you know, peeling back the onion a bit. And, and so, so you could add people to your process that maybe it's not directly correlated with the role. Um, but make sure there's alignment. And, and that way, it's a, it's a consistent message to the candidate. Uh, and if you do want to hire that person at the end, you know, they're coming out of there pretty inspired about what, uh, uh, you know, what, what the role's uh, supposed to be. And then the last thing is um, save some time to sell and inspire. Yeah. Right? I think we spend so much time interviewing people that we don't leave enough time for the inspiration phase. Right? So if they went on three interviews last week, and two of the companies were in sales mode and you were just busy grilling them with questions uh, and didn't give them an opportunity to ask questions, didn't give them an opportunity to tell you what's important to them, right? And you didn't turn it on and really sell them on the job, the department, the company, the culture, the opportunity, um, they'll take the other job, right? And and then it becomes about money too. Sure, And, and Matt, this is a hot market. This truly is a war on talent. You know, uh, you know, amazingly low um, unemployment rates. Would you say this is more of a candidate's market? I mean, how how, how would you kind of articulate this now? Because we've been in in in, in our business at Sinchom Services, as you know, we've been in the market. We're looking for great talent, just like every other company. Um, and it's not untypical for us to get through a process really like a candidate. And uh, now there's a counter offer, or you know, and, and much more money as well. So. Give us a little bit about your understanding of the landscape now and the heat of the market, right, and, and what's going on and, and how we improve our chances, quite, uh, quite honestly, as executives, to improve those odds. 
Really great question, and it's one I probably answer every single day of the week. Yes. Um, it is it is the, the best of times yeah. uh, if you're a candidate, and it's potentially the worst of times if you're a company that's scaling and trying to hire talent yeah. and trying to retain talent. Yeah. Um, that's the other part that I think gets lost in all of this. Yes. Um, you know, it's unprecedented, right? I don't think there's ever been a, a you know economic expansion that's lasted this long. Uh, and, and this is not just South Florida, where we are, are obviously the largest firm, um, but, but all around the country and across every discipline that we serve, uh, we find that um, finding and retaining talent is, is the number one thing keeping CEOs up at night right now. And, and, and you know, um, middle managers and executive leadership is, you know, how do I find and retain talent in this market? And, and so, and there's no silver bullet, right, in, in, in trying to solve that problem. Uh, but, but yeah, we, I've never seen, uh, and again, I mentioned 24 years, I think it's 24 years of, of, of executive search now. Um, I, I've never seen uh, uh, so many counter offers. And, and obscene counter offers. Uh, and by the way, not always just money. Yeah. Sometimes it's work from home. Yeah. Sometimes it's flex time. Sometimes yeah. it's some other thing that's important to that person that was causing them to potentially leave. Uh, and it and typically involves money uh, or equity or what have you. Um, there's a there there's a there's a, there's a lot of, of candidates also coming to the table that by the time our client gets to the offer phase. Uh, they had no offers. They may have had no interviews when they went into the first interview. And by the time they get an offer, they have three offers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and now it's a bidding war over a candidate and there's internal equity issues. So you have to kind of stay within certain lines and you yeah. wind up losing the candidate. So, yeah. so, um, so, you know, we all know that's an issue and a challenge. So I'm not telling anybody they, any, anything they don't know there. You know, how, how do you overcome that, right? And how do you, you know, how do you, you know, attract the best talent? And how do you, you know, keep your people from leaving when they're definitely getting phone calls? So, so I, I think I think we we all have to look internally, right? It's it's you know, there's there's a bit of a look in the mirror moment, right? When you have turnover, you could blame other people. You can get mad at the market. You can get mad at a recruiting firm for pulling somebody out. Uh, but you know, if you're not creating an environment where people enjoy coming to work, where they feel inspired, where they feel valued, where they feel safe, yeah. right, where they feel like they're learning, uh, where they're well compensated, uh, being treated fairly, um, you know, th- they're going to look elsewhere, especially in this kind of market. So, so you know, work on yourself. Uh, work on your yourself. Right. Work on your your company. You know, make sure your leadership. Um, is, is treating people, right, how, how you would expect them to be treating people, right? Um, you know, create a great environment. You know, make sure that from the top uh, that, that everybody understands what you expect uh, and how they're going to treat each other, how they're going to treat, you know, the people that work for them, work with them. And I think culture is, is, is I, I mean, that's the secret sauce here. I mean, that's that are the, the, the singular thing that has set us apart from our competition is creating a great culture where people love coming to work. I mean, they don't love it every day, right? Some days are harder than others, usually because of a counteroffer. But, um, but, you know, create an environment where people really enjoy coming to work and they feel valued and, and you know, they, they can have opportunities to make a lot of money, you know, learn, grow. Um, and I think that that's really key. Uh, and, and you had uh, Paul Sherman on... on uh, uh, on the show here, and I would say that um, you know one thing I remember about the early days of of, of ABB and, and Angel and Brad and what they were building 
is there was such a focus on becoming an employer of choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? If you, I, I heard that so many times from them. You know, when we were out recruiting for them to help build those teams, you know, it was it was trust me. You know, this company's different. They have a culture that's going to win. You know, it starts at the top. The leadership cares about their employees. They treat them great. Um, and, and, and this company's going to win. It's just different, you know, and, 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 you know, and they just kept adding leaders that really believed in that and wanted to be a part of that. And it just, it just, you know, the, the company was an incredible success story. And I, you know, so, so culture wins, uh, you know, people will find out if it's a bad culture, right? Absolutely. They're going to do due diligence. And now there's this thing called Glassdoor. Yes. I don't spend time on it, but yeah. I understand that disgruntled employees do. Yeah. Um, so just, uh, you should think about how you treat people. You have hit on the most probably important point of, of this of this episode. So thank you for that. The culture and the values point. Um, and so in, in, when you hire for Stephen Douglas um, Associates, how do you assess that the candidate, candidate is going to be a cultural fit? So part of it is part of it is having a pretty thorough process. You know, I call it rigor, right? Mm-hmm. I think you need to put rigor in your process. So some firms will just have them meet their direct supervisor and maybe one other person. Uh, I would tell you that uh, recruiters in other markets and salespeople in other markets that f- get flown down here and have to meet six or seven people across the executive team and across practice areas that they're not even going to be involved in are just shocked at how much time and attention we put to the process mm-hmm. uh, and that the CEO of the company is talking to a staff recruiter, right? Yeah. Um, and, 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 uh, and really giving them a lot of attention, attention yeah. and follow-up. And, and so, um, you know, we pick people um, who we think will either aid in that person's success, um, be able to collaborate with that person, be a mentor to that person, yes. yeah. right? And, and, and in, 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 in every case, we want people on the interview schedule that we feel like really get what we're trying to build, that understand the culture, that understand what's important to our company. Uh, and, and so, you know, when that person comes through and, and they meet such a cross-section of leaders across the company, not just in their functional area, not just in their office, um, they really come away knowing whether they want to be a part of this, right? Yeah. And, uh, and, and we come away knowing whether we think they're one of us. And we use that term a lot. Yeah. They're one of us, uh, right? Already on the team. Or they're not one of yes. us. And, and you know, um, if, if you just leave it to one person to figure it out, they may miss something. Yeah. You know, if, if you have, if you have, now, I'm not telling uh, employers out there to overkill their process. Yes, yeah. Because if you put too many people in a process, it can kill a process. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, um, this is a little different, you know, sales and service, trying to get under the hood and understand who's going who's gonna to be successful. Uh, in some areas, you just have to limit it to that area and limit it to the, 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 the people that are going to influence um, that, that person's role and what have you. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know if there was more that you no, were No, absolutely. For, you know? No, this is, this is fabulous, Matt. I, I really appreciate it. This is great. So on, on that topic of potential fit, a lot of discussion, obviously, around the IQ, EQ balance, the emotional quotient balance. Your, your personal experience, and, and what do you look for? What's the type of balance you look for there in this day and age? Yeah, I, I, I think that um, too many employers get stuck uh, on the technical side. The, you know, they're, they're so focused on the technical fit and the titles on the resume and the industry experience 
and uh, to have they had the same title and the same size company? Have they done the same job? Yeah. You know, and and um, I think it's a little bit of a lost art is is you know hiring for for fit and DNA on top of having the right capabilities, right? And I think that's where we come in. Um, uh, you know, and, and, and it's funny because we get hired and paid a lot of money uh, to, to bring that wisdom to the table and that experience to help companies make great hires. And then a lot of times, they, and I say companies, private equity firms, investors, board members, um, a lot of times they don't listen to us, yeah. <laughs> right? You know, and it's like, you know, you hired us because of our expertise, um, but then, you know, you're not taking our advice. You know, we're telling you that this candidate is special. Right? Yeah. They're special. Their resume doesn't look as good as the other three, but I'm telling you, if you meet this person, you're going to hire them. I've been doing this for 24 years, 20 years, 15 years, whoever the person is here, trust me, you should meet this person whether you like the resume or not. Yes. Um, and nine out of 10 times, if, if you're really that passionate and, and they actually meet the person, guess who they hire? The person with the, with the resume that wasn't exactly what they were anticipating. And those people sometimes wind up being the best hires. And so, so I, I would just say that you know, DNA and, and cultural fit are, are you know, as important and sometimes more important than just the technical capabilities. They have to obviously be able to do the job. They have to have the competencies, but just don't lose sight of, you know, I think too many people get enamored by pedigree they get enamored by you know big name companies on the resume and, and, and you know top schools, right? And, and um, you know sometimes the best candidates you know on uh, you know working working at companies you haven't heard of, but that's okay. Um, Absolutely, Matt did this, and the audience knows that these are unscripted conversations, and but this is really progressing very naturally because you're hitting on a a really important point, Matt. You and I have had discussions over the years as as we've kind of swapped notes about you know, prospective candidates or even potential candidates um, that you may be looking for. One of the big conversations you and I have, have had over the years is you may get the firms from the outside, the private equity firms looking for a particular type of CFO and they will typically go down the path, did this person work for the, in the industry? This, does this person have a particular skill set? And I know you and I have been aligned on this point because for me, you know, having been in, the, you know, the CFO spot for, 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 for many years now, the point about the culture of the DNA, but also I'm a big believer in really understanding does that, can that person play game in the life cycle of that business? Whether it's a startup, whether it's in growth phase, whether it's more mature company, or maybe when it's, it's on the other side, maybe in you know, turnaround phase, etc. And it may not even mean it's that you have the industry expertise. Good CFOs or good executives, C-level executives who could plug in, I know there's a learning curve particularly, but sometimes it's better and more prudent to, uh, to get the guy who kind of understand how it works at that particular level of its, of its um, life cycle. What would you add to that? Yeah, you're hitting on a great point. You know, I think that, that the, the right person for today may not be the right person for tomorrow. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, we've been in business long enough uh, to, 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 to realize that it's not gonna be a straight line up here forever, right? Yeah. We're gonna go through a recession and a downturn at some point. You know, how deep or how long that lasts, uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, you know, the CFO role is, is, is one that's interesting because you know, we, we do, when we work with private equity firms that are investing in distressed businesses, yes. uh, and, and they have acquired something that is a turnaround and it's really messy, 
uh, and, and you know, uh, heavily leveraged and what have you, they will make the requirements of the search that we find someone that has really been through the war, right? Yes, that they've yeah. been in a turnaround, that yeah. they know how to operate and yeah. be successful in a turnaround. They know the dials to turn. Yes. Right. And they've been through they've been through yeah. it. And 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 so that's a situation where typically it becomes a part of the requirement. Uh, it's not always the case that um, they're paying attention. And I think that, you know, a, a company that's in hockey stick growth Right is very different than a company that's downsizing and consolidating operations and closing plants or or, or you know locations or what have you, um, and and you know the same person you know uh, they may have a, the the resume may may look like it's the right person because they've been in that industry and that size company and they've been in that role. That doesn't mean they're going to be successful in all of the phases uh, of that company's life cycle. So it's something we pay attention to. Um, we really, uh, you know, the, the difference between big company experience and entrepreneurial growth company experience is important, yes. uh, but the phase that the company's in yes. as well, you know, so, so I would say if, if you're coming out of all fortune companies, going into a startup is going to yep. be a bit of a stretch, right? Yes, um, you know, if, if, if you've only been in high growth, you know, acquisition mode, yes. spend money, yes. you know, just go, 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 yep. um, you may not know what to do in a downturn. Absolutely. Right? You may just not know what to do. And that doesn't make that candidate not a great person. Yes. But that may mean that that company or that investment firm may have to pivot to a new team. It could be the CEO, it could be the COO, it could be the CFO, uh, sales folks. Yeah. Uh, they may have to pivot to, to, to a new team that actually can get them through a downturn. Um, you know, it happens. Uh, it happens. So different people for different phases. Yeah. Um, and I would definitely say... Size does matter yeah. uh, when it comes to hiring. Yeah. I'm less stuck on industry other than certain industries. Yes. So there's certain industries where a level of, of expertise yeah. is, is, is required to be successful in the roles. You can't just jump into uh, certain industries and, and, and get it right away. Um, but I do think size matters. You know, I think it's very, uh, very important that you hire people that not only fit the kind of the life cycle yeah. and time frame the company's in, but they can operate in the environment, the size environment, you know, small, medium size, emerging companies, yeah. you know, you're rolling up your sleeves, you're digging in, yeah. you yeah. know, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're doing everything, yes. right? you know, whatever, right. whatever it takes. Yes. And, and yes. trust me, I went from a $2 billion public company yes. to a $5 million, 15 employee, yeah. one location business. Right. Carried a screwdriver. I'm sure you had to fix things in the, in the well, let, let me let me tell you. Let me tell you. Steve Steve built yeah. a, Steve built a wonderful business over 22 years. Yeah, that was highly highly regarded, and you know was really focused on the things that were important to me. Yeah. Right, culture, you know, service. Right, you know, um, and and it was more of a boutique, high you know, kind of high touch environment. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's not about us. It's about the the, the customer. It's about yeah. the candidate. It's never about us so all those critical pieces were in place for us to come really go build something special on top of it um and, but uh but uh that was that was you know a big cultural change it yeah. was a big cultural change so i've i've, I've experienced it personally um but it's it's been it's been pretty fun and the, and, and and the wisdom of of steven as well to you know hire and install a leader like yourself to take it to the next level all right, and be able to grow that is it, tremendous. I, in my personal experience, I've come across founder syndrome where, 
you know, it's it's the founder's baby, and they continue to to drive it. But um, you know, you coming from a larger company and understanding what what it takes and what is quote unquote utopia looks like is very very important. And uh, kudos to you and the entire team. You've done a tremendous job to grow the Stephen Douglas business. It's it's as I said, it's uh, if you look around and and you kind of you know you're looking for you know search candidates or a search process. Um, you have to think of Stephen Douglas. Yeah, I appreciate that. Absolutely, without a doubt. And it's been, it's been, you know, it, it's been uh, a labor of love, right? Yes. I mean, it's, it's, you know, something about being in an entrepreneurial growth company, um, you know, where you really can make a difference every day. Yeah. Um, you know, what what inspires me every morning waking up is, is, you know, I, you know, I have an opportunity literally every day to make a difference in so many people's lives, yes. right? Yeah. And. and uh, internally for my for my recruiters and my salespeople yeah. by introducing them to customers. Yes. Um, uh, when I think externally, you know, customers come to us because they have a, a, a really really important critical need they need to fill. Whatever level it is, yes. it doesn't matter. Um, you know, they can't succeed without bringing in the right talent to get where they're going. Yes. And we can make such a difference. We can help make or break companies right yeah. as they're growing their businesses. And then on the candidate side, I mean, what really got me into this business originally was I love helping people, yeah. right? And the idea that every day you can give people a little bit of wisdom or advice that may help them get that next job, even if you don't wind up being the one that placed them, yeah. right? So I can tell you that there, there, there are a lot of folks out there that are our best long-term clients that we got to know them when they were in some type of transition. And we may not have placed them, but, you know, the, the advice, the guidance, you know, helping them negotiate a contract... You know, uh, you know, there's just a lot of things that we've done along the way f- to, to help people um, that, you know, sometimes people come back and tell me, hey, you know, six months ago, you told me to do this, this, and this, yeah. and, and listen to what happened. And yeah. it's just it's just so rewarding um, that, you know, you can make a difference in so many people's lives every day. I mean, it's just really great. It's really great. I have to share some with you, Matt, um, having known you for 23 years, almost as an extended family member. Every time we chat, um, you're very, very, you're so inspiring. You, I have yet to call you in the morning where you're having a bad day and you're not looking forward to going to the office and, and making a change. And uh, I can tell you, even the days where some of us may not have great days, I'll call you and you're ready to go and you're ready to inspire and motivate your, your team members. And, and as you said, you're ready to change your life. So um, I really appreciate that. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, without and I, a doubt. You know, and, 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 you know, it's not easy every day, but, but you know, I think, I think you just you just have to have a positive outlook. You know, when our kids were little, yeah, you know, we used to say when they would get in trouble, you know, there there were there were different different schools, yeah. different classes, and yes. different ways of rating the kids yes. and how they how they did that day. But you know, the the idea that every day you start with an A, yeah, right. You know, you wake up the next morning. You know, so we used to if they had a bad day, we say, yes. look, tomorrow, yes, you start with an A, yeah. right? You know, or or on green or whatever, yes. you know, versus red, yes. right? There's yeah. red, yellow, green, right? You start on green in the morning. Yes. Right, yes. and and you get to decide whether you stay on green yeah. or not, right? Nice. And and so so you know we we've, we've been kind of teaching our kids along the way, but part of part of my role as as a leader here, uh, and just as someone in the community is, you know, and, and uh, we we really really harp on this with with our our leadership and just the team members here is that you know we all have to lift each other up every day, right? Yes. It's like it's like no, you know, if someone's having a bad day, you know, you don't go 
kick them and tell them, well, why, why'd you do it that yes. way? Or why were you know, our, our job as leadership is to say, okay, well, listen, you know, you got 24 hours to feel bad for yourself, right? Just a 24 hour rule. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, dust them off, pick them up, dust them off and send them back into the game and, and, and just, you know, look, it, you know, it, it's, what did we learn from it? Yes. Right? Is there something you would do differently? Yes. Right? Because sometimes there's yes. nothing you could do. Yes. A big counter offer, nothing you can do. Yeah. But but you know, what would you do differently? Did you learn anything from it? Yeah. Right? And let's you know, let's let's just try to grow and, and you know, but but just we gotta pick each other up. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of business you're in, what kind of role you're in, yeah. you're gonna have good days and you're gonna have bad days. Yeah. If you're surrounded by negative Nellies who are gonna just drag you down and it's just everybody's gonna be complaining all yes. day. So I look at it as my job. Um, a, a lot of times, is managing the roller coaster of emotions that go on during the course of the day, right? Yeah. So I have to be really steady and really even, yes. right? And, yeah. and when someone comes in and their hair's on fire and yeah. there's a huge problem, oh my God, the world's going to yes. come to an end, right? Yeah. I'll just let them finish, yes. listen to them, and then just say, okay, well, um, you know, let's work through it. Let's. What are the facts? Yeah. Right. What can we control? Yes. <laughs> what can't we, we control? Can right. Yes. And and you know. Um, you know, what do you think we should do? So before I give advice, I ask them, you know, what do you think? Now they know, hey, don't come to Matt with a problem without some sort of ideas or solutions. And, and so, and then let's let's work through it. Like, let's come up with some ideas and some strategies, yeah. right? They may not work, right? But but let's, well, you know, and, and, and so, you know, hopefully people leave here not more rattled, yes. right? Hopefully they'll come in and, and you know, sit down and, and, you know, and then they come away with some, some thoughts and ideas. But more than anything, their head is right, and yeah. they're they're you know kind of ready to go back into the game. They're not so rattled, and I, I think that's a big part of you know building a culture that's going to win. Is if you have supportive and encouraging people all throughout your company from top to bottom yes. that know that your expectation as the leadership is that their job is to be supportive and encouraging to each other. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We say those words all the time. Yeah. You know, this is a supportive and encouraging environment. If yes. somebody's down, right? It doesn't matter if they work for you, with you, if they're in your department, if you see somebody's having a bad day, just go talk to them. Try to cheer them up. Try to lift them up. You know, yeah. do something positive. And I, so when you make the comment about the, the, the calls, I've had, I've had more people say to me in at 7.30 in the morning yes. or 7 o'clock at night, yes. how are you always in a good mood? Yes. I'm not always in a good yes. mood, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, I just feel like, you know, people don't want to be around somebody who's going to be negative. Right. And, and I, I try to I just try to you know be optimistic every day. Right. And, and look forward to the day and what's possible. Absolutely. Right. You know, what's Steve Sadika, you know, has become clearly one of my best friends, family member, yeah. mentor. I think I'm a mentor to him in some ways and him to, to, to yeah. myself. He's our CEO and founder, as you know. Yeah. Um, he'll call me up some days and he'll actually ask me, you know, on the way into work. OK. Uh, not what's going on and what are the numbers and where, you know, yeah. where's this at or that at. He'll say, he'll say, you know, what are you, what are you grateful for today? Wow. What are you grateful for? What, what are we happy about? What are we grateful for? And then if you veer off of it and you talk about a problem or say you're talking about something, you say, but he's no, 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 no. What are you grateful for? Right. Wow. Okay. I, I didn't ask you what the problems yes. are. I didn't ask you what further progress yes. would be. I asked you what you're grateful for. What are we happy about? What are we proud of? And he does that a lot, and he does that across the company. And obviously, I do it as well. But you know, he he it's it's really become a part of the culture. Like, just stop the action and really just just be 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 grateful. 
it's one of the most powerful notions. I, I tell you, Matt, I learned that years ago because we can all focus on problems and we all have issues and uh, there's always going to be something going on at work or in our family lives, etc. But if you ask that one question, first thing in the morning as you start your car and you're ready to work, it's amazing how your day changes and your perspective changes. Yeah. Completely. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that, Matt. Thank you. So for the placements that don't work out, what is the most common reason, would you say? You've had many, many years of experience, so skinny it down as to what do you think the most common reason would be? Well, that's kind of a hard question because um, there's there's 25 years of placing yes. people and yes. hiring people, yes. right? Yes. You know, yes. uh, they haven't all worked out, unfortunately. Yes. Um, I would say probably culture fit. Yeah. You know, I'd say probably culture fit. Yeah. I think I think companies mostly get it right, including ours. Yes. Um, as to experience, skill set, um, you know, can they do the job? I mm -hmm. think I think most of us get that right yes. every time. Yes. There's sometimes somebody can't do the job, but that's usually because they were maybe dishonest. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe they were dishonest. Yeah. Maybe they weren't self-aware. So yeah. sometimes it's not dishonest. Maybe they don't have self-awareness. Yes. Yeah. There are times where someone thinks, I'll use salespeople, for example. Uh, one of my executive search guys up in Westchester, New York, has a great line. He says, even bad salespeople know how to sell themselves. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and half the times they don't even know they're not that good a salesperson. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not that they're being dishonest. They actually just believe they're a good salesperson. And I think, you know, using the sales example, you know, someone who's in a company that is uh, really penetrated in a market where they walk in and the company hands them five or six strategic accounts and walks them in the door and says, yeah. here, take over these accounts because someone left or what have you. And they do a nice job with those accounts, farming those accounts, whatever. Um, if that person, they may win every award, they may make a lot of money, they may make a lot of sales in those accounts, right? If that person then leaves that company and gets hired into a company who says, oh, they're the top salesperson at their company, yeah. hire them in our company, they're gonna be great. And then they find out they don't know how to open a door themselves. Yeah, yeah. They're actually a farmer, not a hunter. Yes, yeah. Right? And yeah. so, so you know, it's really important to try to dig in and peel back the yes. onion when you're hiring salespeople to say, you know, is this person a farmer or a hunter? It's a yeah. really big difference. And, and I think, you know, there's a lot of really good farmers out there that leave a very good job for more money, quote unquote, more yes. money. Uh, more opportunity, and they go to a situation where now um, there's no already embedded accounts to be handed off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and they're maybe dealing with a non-compete, non-solicit, so they got to go find new accounts. Yes, and they just fail, and they fail because they've never had to open a door in their life. They yeah. don't they don't know how to kick a door open. Yes, yeah. and and they're not they're not a hunter, and yeah. and so um, you know I think I think that's the the fit the fit in the situation really matter when you're making a hire. Um, so can the person, do, do they look the part, can they come in and present well if they get a meeting, mm -hmm. right? They're, they're, yes. Maybe they're going to perform really well in that meeting. Can they get the meeting? Yes. <laughs> yeah. With sales is where the, where the miss is. And that, that's, that's the part, I think, from a cultural fit uh, standpoint. You know, you see some, and I'll use this, I, lo I love sports analogies, uh, analogies, but if you think about uh, the 
the college athlete who was all-American and unstoppable, you know, I'll use my, my beloved Florida Gators, you know, when yes. Steve Spurrier was the coach, yes. every quarterback in his system looked like they were going to be the greatest quarterback in the history of, of mankind. Mm-hmm. And then they get to the NFL and they would fail. Yeah. Because they really thrived in Spurrier's system. Yes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, but then they got to the next level and actually um, it, it turns out they weren't really that great a quarterback. Um, and so, and so that that's the part. Fit is probably the number uh, number one reason. The, the the cultural piece and the 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 DNA for the right role. Understood. And is if there's a part B to that question, which is how can leaders improve retention? Is that the the same theme you would say now, or is there a different? wisdom bite you would offer as to how leaders can improve it. Well, you know, it's interesting, you know, uh, retention is not always a good thing either. And I think that's that's one of the parts where, um, where you know, you might hire some great people and they get killed off by, by, by you know, a culture or yeah. they get killed off by, you know, people that maybe you shouldn't be retaining. Yeah. And I, I, I think that um, it's unfortunate but companies have a hard time parting with top producing, um, you know, say salespeople. It'll stay on the sales topic, uh, recruiters in, in our case. Yes. Um, some of those people are horrible people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some of the some of the top, yeah. you know, performers in different departments are horrible people, yeah. right? And so they may be great at their job and really great at managing up, but they make everybody else's life miserable around them. Yeah, and and I think. You know, so so retention for the sake of retention uh, is 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 maybe a bad thing, and I I think um, you know one thing we're getting better at is figuring out we made a bad hire, yeah, and getting rid of that person quicker, yes, um, because you know if you if you you know if you just hang on to them just because uh, and it, it can create a lot of problems, and you can lose other people you don't want to lose because you hired certain people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but I think we, I, getting back to looking in the mirror, I think I think every every uh, leadership team really needs to look at the departments that are winning, that have retention, that have because you could have a company where you have certain pockets of the company that have a great culture and mm-hmm. other pockets that don't. Yeah, and you really have to take a look and say, well, why is it not working in that area? Sometimes it's not the leader. Sometimes it's because the leader is tolerating or holding on to somebody in that department that is really ruining it for everybody else. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's there's there are some people in companies that are just cancers. Yes. Um. And and you know, uh, you gotta root them out. You gotta find it. You gotta diagnose it. You gotta find it, and you gotta cut it out. Yes. Uh, because if you don't, it'll just it, it'll just keep manifesting. Keep happening. Yeah. And and we're all afraid to lose somebody with a lot of experience. Yeah. Or lose somebody who's you know, got high sales numbers or, or, or you know, they, they, they've just been here a long time so they know where, you know, how things get done. Um, sometimes they're the worst employees. And yeah. That's a, it's really an interesting dynamic you have to think about. So, um, so yeah, re- retention. And, and then just improving retention in general is, I think, again, something Steve does a better job than me at because um, I'm so busy yes. focused on growing the business and yeah, what have yeah. you. Is, is he... He, he stops the action a lot and, and he, he calls people and he visits people. And when I say call, you know, people that are yeah. remote in other, other markets um, and visits people and just checks in on people. Right. He spends a lot of time checking in on people. How are you doing? Yeah. Are you getting what you need? Right? Is there anything we can do, you know, to, to help you be more successful? Yeah. Right? Do you have any requests of me? The CEO. 
Yeah. Do you have any requests? He'll go, he'll go to a staff recruiter who reports to somebody who reports to somebody who reports yeah. to somebody. How's everything going? Are you getting what you need? How are people treating you? Yeah. Are, how are the systems working? Right. You know, just like you know, what are what are you know, what what are things that we could do to to, to you know make, make it better? Easy. You know, I mean, really, it's amazing. Now that doesn't mean we can implement everything yes. or all the ideas people come up with, but he does the best job I've ever seen of just going around and, and just checking in on people and making sure they're okay and engaging them and engaging them really really you know um in 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 making sure that their confidence is there yeah you know because because there's certain people you know especially when they leave a company come to a new company and you know they were a high performer and now they're trying to rebuild their their book of business or trying to get ramped up is some of them are more fragile than you yeah. think, you know? Uh, and, and so he, he does a good job of just checking in on them, making sure that they're keeping their confidence up. Yeah. Um, right, because people put so much pressure on themselves, especially, you know, we hire a lot of type A people like you do, yeah. right? Yeah. And, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're drivers, and yeah. people want to succeed. Yeah. And they're so hard on themselves. Yeah. And a lot of times they come from environments where, you know, it's so cutthroat and so yes. metric oriented and so much about the numbers that they're worried like, oh my God, I don't want to lose my, I don't want to lose my job. Yeah. Right. And so giving them that reassurance that, you know, like this is the, we're, we're in the long game here and that, you know, uh, you're doing the right things and just stay after it and ask lots of questions and, you know, just, just give them that reassurance and, and keep their confidence up. I think is one of the, one of the key things, especially, you know, if you bring in a new employee and you see they're struggling a bit, yeah. um, you got to spend time with them. Yes. Yeah. You know, you got to spend time with them. We spend so much time and so much money trying to hire the best people we can hire. Yes. Right yeah. for the least amount of money. Yes. Okay. No, yes. just kidding. But no, like companies go through a yeah. lot of trouble, right? Yes. They 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 go through a process. They, they interview all these people. They hire someone, and now they're there, and they just let them languish. They 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 don't pay attention to them. Their onboarding process is horrible. They don't have a computer for a day and a half. Yeah. Right. Nobody can answer their questions. They don't know how to log into this yes. or that. Nobody's helping them. Nobody's giving them any direction. Right. Like so, what what does your onboarding process look like? You went through all this trouble to hire this person, right? And now they're there for two weeks or three weeks, and like nobody's talking to them. Nobody's really helping them, and they're thinking, "I took the wrong job. I, I can't believe I left my job and came here. What, what what was I thinking?" So now now you have this person who was so excited about their new job, questioning whether they took the right job. And by the way, they're still getting called by recruiters. Right. You know, they're still thinking about that other job they turned down. Yeah. Because now they're going, hmm, did I take the right job? So, so you know, let's not just put all our time and effort and energy and money into hiring these people. Let's make sure their onboarding experience is great. Yes, right. Let's make sure we have a plan for them when they get here. Yes. Yeah. Let's make sure we have somebody assigned to actually make sure they're okay. Yes. And get them what they need and give them guidance and support and all those sorts of things. And I, I think, I think a lot of companies miss the boat on that. That first miss, ninety days is so oh my gosh, it's you know? the amount of companies, hundred percent, as a matter of fact, two hundred percent, Matt, who lose it in that in that onboarding process, and people move on and they wonder why. Hundred percent, Matt. 100%. We have to keep a lot of mirrors right. Around, right. I, I keep thinking about looking in the mirror. Right. Like, you know, you know, you can blame the market. Sure. You can blame the recruiting firms. You can blame the other company. Sure. Uh, but if someone leaves our company, which doesn't happen that frequent, frequently, to go to another company in our right. industry, it's very rare. I don't think it happened in our first 13 years. It happened last year. Yeah. Um, 
that we wanted to, you know, people have left here, but but typically yeah. it's someone who hasn't been working out. But if they if they leave our company to go to another company, shame on us, right? right? I mean, I I would never be mad at another business owner who who hired somebody away from me if I if I knew them. I would never be mad at a recruiting firm who recruited yeah. him out. I'd look at us and say, where did we where did we miss the boat? Like, were we not listening to them? Were they raising their hand? Were they making your know, requests that we weren't listening to? You know, were they underpaid? Were we not giving them you know the, the right opportunities? Like. What went wrong? Like, what did we miss? Right, and that's our fault, right? And 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 um, you know, companies can do a much better job of that. I think absolutely. All right, okay. Candidates have got many options. There's a lot going on. A lot of jobs out there, and it's a, as as you mentioned, it's 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 a very hot market. What's your advice on how best to plan and develop one's career? And this is for the emerging folks, possibly coming out of school and maybe early in their careers as a person who's been this, doing this for over 25 years. What's your advice? How, how does your best plan? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. So so I have two college kids now, right? Yes, as, yes. as you know, yes. right? So I have a lot of conversations yes. with, them, yes. with them about this and sometimes they're friends. Um, you know, we, we don't place people out of college, yeah. right? So yeah. I don't have the yes. hands-on experience of it. Yeah. And we don't really hire a lot of kids right out of college. Yeah. So, so um, it's just that we're more of a destination model where you yeah. learn this business and then you come work for us later on. Yeah. Um, I, I would say, you know, I, I've always thought about, you know, uh, one, one key concept is, you know, when you're looking at opportunities, you have to think about what it's going to lead to, right? Yeah. And, and sometimes, like when I took my job like you did in public yes. accounting, yes. right after I got my master's and I yeah. went to Price Waterhouse, I did not go to Price Waterhouse planning on staying at Price Waterhouse. Yeah. I mean that that was not my plan, yes. right? Uh, I thought I would get great exposure. I'd get to see all different kinds of businesses and how yeah. they run. I'd meet a lot of people yeah. and I'd get a great grounding, right? And then it'll lead to something else. And I I remember reading a book uh, graduating to the Big 8 that mm-hmm. my brother Howard got yes. me. He was at KPMG. <laughs> By the time I graduated, it was the, the big six. six. <laughs> now it's the big four. Um, but but um, I remember reading that book, and, and and there was an incredible amount of Fortune 500 CEOs, not CFOs, yeah. that actually started in big eight firms. Yes, yeah. And I thought, wow, you know what? What uh, that sounds like a great foundation. Yes. And so so you know the 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 first job is a foundational job, yeah. right? And so what what would it what would it lead to, right? So my my son studying finance, yes. you know, investment banking is such a great track yes. that can take you into investment management hedge fund. You can go into corporate finance. You know, you can stay in banking, yes, right? Yeah. You you can go into private equity. You know, so so it it's 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 a means to an end. It doesn't mean hey, I'm choosing a career in investment banking. You yeah. might yeah. you might stay in it. So so I think part of for the first coming out of school, I, I think they really have to look at you know what is this first job going to lead to, mm-hmm. right? What will it prepare me for, yeah. right? And what doors will it open for me? And I, I think that's really kind of the key things that I talk about with yeah. my kids. Um, and then any other young professionals, and then and then um, and then you always have to think about um, you know you know, what are my unique abilities? Yeah. What do I love to do? And I'm competent at. Yes. Right. I'm good at it. Yeah. And I love to do it. Right. Yeah. You could love to sing and be a terrible singer. I, yes. I don't recommend you try to go into a career singing. Yes. Um, you know, but but you know, what are my unique abilities? Right. You know, so what are my competencies and what do I really enjoy doing, right? Yeah. And then just try to try to find a track that'll allow you to, to spend time in those unique abilities, 
that allow you to really in, in, enjoy coming in, be excited about yeah. coming in. Yeah. You know, I think too many people, you know, take on career tracks that, that are not um, something that they're really inspired about. It's just something they think they should do. Yeah. Um, and I think it's something maybe their parents want them to do. Yeah. Um, right. And, and, and so they just feel the pressure to be a doctor or be a lawyer or be whatever, whatever that, you know, whatever that you know, profession is. Um, so I, I think I think you really have to look internally. And then the other thing is you have to right, figure out what environment's going to be right for me. Yes. You know, I'll, I'll actually go back to kids. You know, the, the college process is a lot like choosing company to work for, yeah. right? You know, it's amazing to me how different my two kids who lived across the hall from each other yes. grew up in the same exact <laughs> house, right? Yeah. How different their views of what kind of school they wanted to go to. Yeah. You know, my daughter wanted a big city, yeah. metropolitan type of environment up yes. in the Northeast, right? Yeah. And she wound up in, in Philadelphia yes. and UPenn. My, my, my son had no interest in big cities. He wanted yeah. small college town, right. right? He wound up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, yes. right? Yes. The, the, the whole town is basically Wake Forest. There, there's a little yes. city there, but, yes. but, but you know, the, 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 what, what my son was interested in versus my daughter from a, from a college standpoint, um, it, it's very similar from a career standpoint. You know, some people are not built for uh, big company environments, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you know, some people are not built for small entrepreneurial environments, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And and I, I think I think you'd have to really just do a lot of self evaluation along the way uh, to try to figure out you know what environment am I going to thrive in? You know, I'm a Gator. My wife's a Gator. Um, neither of my kids applied there. Yeah. And by the way. They went there as kids. They're, my son, big Gator yes. fan. Um, they didn't even apply. You know, yeah. it, it, it didn't fit my daughter's criteria because it's a small college town. Yes. But it's a way too big a school for my son. And I'm bringing up college because it's very similar, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, working at a multi-billion-dollar fortune company, mm-hmm. uh, as as many of us did early in our career, uh, doesn't necessarily suit us long term. Yeah, some of us. Yes, um, some people make an incredible career out of it. I mean, I, I have a friend from high school uh, who's still at KPMG, right? You yeah. know, and I just think about you know, you know, we all started in public accounting at the same time, and now I'll be fifty this summer. Yes, he's still there, yeah. right? And he's doing phenomenally well yes. as a managing partner, and then you know. I didn't make it past year two. Yes. <laughs> right? Does that make me a bad, you know, yes, candidate yes. Or, and, and him a good candidate? It yes. just means that we wanted different things out of life. And, and and so I think that's, you know, there's a lot of self-evaluation as you're building your career, building your resume. You just really got to look internally. Try to understand who you are, what you're about, what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Because um, if you pretend to be somebody you're not and you go through an interview process and you take a job you're really not suited for, it's not going to last. Yeah. And then you're going to bounce from job to job to yeah. job. Yeah. Okay. And then your resume is going to look horrible. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and so that, that would be the other, if I could just add a little more sure, advice. Now they've selected the first job. Yes. Be patient. Yes. Yeah. Be patient, right? I think that... that um, um, I see a lot of resumes of, of people who just jump around way yeah. too soon. Yeah, you know, it's like somebody offers them a, 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 just a little bit more yes. money, and they're always chasing something that, yeah. that's missing. Yeah, uh, and then next thing you know, they have a horrible resume. Right? Yeah. you got to think about what's this going to look like. Yeah. sometimes you have to tough out a job that you're not that happy in for a yes. few years, just as a resume builder. Yes. you know, um, and, and and you know get through a bad situation and show that you have some, some, you know, 
fortitude to, to stick with something. Yeah. Uh, because I don't want to make an investment in someone, hire them, invest money in training them, getting them up to speed, and, and you know, getting them integrated for them to leave a year later. It's a hor- it's a horrible investment. Yes. It's yeah. a horrible investment, right? Um, so you know, the evidence is on the resume. Yeah. If you've had five jobs in five years, yes. you're not giving me a lot of confidence yes. that I'm going to get more than one year return on hiring. Yes. Right. So. Um, so it's 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 a uh, it's a, now you can be loyal to a fault also. Yes, right? yes. So so I've I've had I've had three jobs in in my career and yes. I'm, like I said I'm turning fifty yes. so two years of Price Waterhouse yes. which was pretty much all I could handle uh, was was I wasn't destined yes. for it and by the way I actually I actually uh, had self awareness I realized it wasn't for me early and I got out yeah and I had friends that stayed a little too long and got stuck because they were yes. they were making too much money and it was yeah. harder to leave. So I actually got out early enough that I could make a career change, um, and I, it took a lot of soul searching and yeah. a lot of hard conversations with people in my life, uh, you know, that were thought I was crazy uh, for throwing out a master's and a CPA to go be a headhunter, right. you know, and, and uh, called me names, but um, <laughs> but uh, but you know, it turned out. But I, I really needed to find something that fit me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And. Um, and I really, I, 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 me and a buddy sat in the balcony one night and said, what are we doing? We were both in jobs we didn't like that we weren't destined to be in. And we literally made a list. We sat next to each other yeah. drinking beer. We literally both had a legal pad and yeah. we sat there and made a list of things that we like to do and that we're good at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And funny enough, he became an actor and moved to LA. Wow. And he's still an actor. Wow. Um, and I got into recruiting. Yeah, yeah. You know, I decided in that moment that I wanted to do something related with people, whether it's sales, HR, yeah. something related to people. I just always loved people. I always had, yeah. was you know, uh, you know, I, I, I just you know when I was in the fraternity, I was real. I was rush chairman at yes. a very early age. When I got to Price Waterhouse, they sent me back to campus to recruit yes. people. Before I even got to Price Waterhouse, yes. I was recruiting people that wound up being in my audit entry class, yeah, yeah. you know, it's just something I enjoyed. Yes. And I, you know, I figured out a way to make money doing something I actually enjoyed and I was pretty good at, yeah, right? Yeah. And so, um, so that's, that's, you know, do a lot of, you know, self-reflection, uh, just spend a lot of time trying to figure out who you are, you know, what you're good at, what you want to do, because it's a long career yes. and, you know, it could be long days and hard work and, you know, it, I can't even imagine um, if I was doing something as hard as I work yes. for as long as I've worked, if I was yes. doing something I didn't really enjoy, how hard that would be. Absolutely. Tremendous, tremendous advice, man. I really appreciate that. So I read in the Wall Street Journal a couple of weeks ago about being a generalist versus being a specialist. And I've always thought, and this is, this is, this is me thinking, you know, in this day and age, you know, the knowledge age and so on that... Um, perhaps being more specific, specifically grounded on an expert skill set, will probably serve you better in the future. And uh, the article, I think, was a couple of weeks ago, which said, maybe not the case now. Maybe not the case. Maybe being a generalist, right? Going out there and being a generalist may be the way forward in this day and age. Any opinion on that? Yeah, that's that, that's a hard one for me, um, and and the reason I say it's hard for me is because, as a profession, uh, and as a company, yes, we get paid to find people with very specific skill yes, sets, yeah, right. So I think 
I think companies and equity firms and, and venture capital firms, uh, it's easier for them to find someone who just has a general background yeah. that, that might be um, uh, might be a good fit, uh, but, but hasn't necessarily done what it is they need them to do. Yeah. Um, so we get hired uh, more often because they've gone to the market and they haven't found specifically what they're looking for. Yeah, so yeah. they come to us for a very, very targeted background. Yes, yeah. You know, industry target, yeah, yeah. you know, level, experience, title, you know, and all those sorts of things. So so we wind up, you know, um, doing a lot more targeted search. So so if I tell you that the, the engagements that we that we're hired to do, um, less frequently are we looking for a generalist. So Got it. You know, so 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 it doesn't mean a generalist can't be very successful. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it's become a lot more of a specialist kind of environment. You know what I mean? So so. Um, Understood. Yeah. Understood. One hundred percent. Quick fire rounds now. The interview no knows. What are the interview knows? So candidates going in for the interview. Couple of just wisdom bites. What are the no knows? Well, these are going to seem simplistic, yes. but you'd be amazed for yeah. $500,000 executives yes. don't follow these. Yes. Um, it's just incredible. Um, please turn your phone off. Yes. Please turn your phone Great off. Great advice. Love it. Yeah. I, I, can't even, I can't even tell you. You know, half million dollar executives and their phone starts ringing, you know, 10 yes. minutes into the interview. Yes. Yeah. And now they're digging around in the briefcase trying to find it yeah. uh, or their purse or what have you. Yeah. Um, so, so our handbag. So, so uh, that, that's one that's horrible. Uh, and, and, you know, I picked up some wisdom on the, uh, uh, from one of my kids' coaches years back. And I'll never forget it. My, my son can tell you exactly what it is right now uh, about being on time. Yes. 100%. Okay. Yeah. So the quote from his coach at that time yes. was, was um, early is on time, on time is late. Absolutely. If you called my son right now, he's heard that from me 18,000 times, right? And he, he, lives, he actually lives by it, right? And yes. he's, he's 18 years old now and in college. And, and you know, it's funny, I picked it up from, from a coach on the field and I've, yes. I've used it so many times. Yeah. You know, so many people are late all yeah. the time. It's just amazing. And, and, you know, they cut it so close, right? And, and so, you know, the best advice, especially for young professionals, is get up early, get your day going. Yeah. I got up at five this morning before yes. the podcast here. Yes. I stretched, yeah. I, I read the Wall Street Journal, yeah. I did a full workout, yeah. I commuted 45 minutes, yeah. and I was still here five minutes early for the podcast. Yes. Right? Yeah. Did a lot this morning. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, I'm not suggesting everybody has to get up at five in the morning, but what I'm suggesting is, you know, if, if, if you're late half the time because you you catch the train or, or you catch a traffic jam or you yeah. you know you might want to readjust your timetable, right? And so so um, too often young professionals wind up getting sideways with their bosses. Yeah. Um, and, and by the way, mid-level managers get sideways with their bosses because they just can't be on time. You know, they can't get to the office on time. They can't get to meetings on time. Yeah. Everybody's time's important, right? So yeah. so that that would be the number one mistake I think that's made. Um, I get very aggravated when I'm taking time out of my day to, to meet someone and, and they don't have the courtesy to be on time. I'm a very busy person also, I, you know, and, and so you just have to respect, and, and that's the thing, you respect people's time. Absolutely. Everybody's busy. Um, so, um, and by the way, that goes for the employer too. Yes. Nothing makes me crazier yes. than when we, we recruit somebody who's in a job 
who's working, you know, that's doing well. Yes. They're working really hard. They're staying late. Yes. And they cut out in the middle of their day or the end of the day or the beginning of the day to go meet with a company for an yes. interview. And the interviewer yes. leaves them sitting in the lobby for 20 minutes or 25 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And they have a hard stop because yeah. they had to get to work or yeah. they have a meeting or a phone call or a conference call they were going to do in the call as soon, uh, you know, in the car as soon as they get out of there. And, you know, it's just amazing that, and then the, and then the, the person interviewing them may get annoyed with them that they have to leave early because they want to keep interviewing them. It's like, well, well, maybe if you showed up on time, right? It doesn't show that they really respect the candidates, yes, yeah. right? Uh, so that, that, that's the other side of it. It's, you know, we get candidates that will get to an interview 20 minutes early and then wait 40 minutes. Absolutely. And it's just not right. Absolutely. Without a doubt, without a doubt. Okay. Next segment, real quick fire segment here. Matt, what would you change? Open question. What would you change? What would I change? Wow. Um, what would I change? So I, I would say, and this is no offense to my prior employer, yes. uh, because I had a phenomenal career there, and yes. I learned about leadership, and yeah, I, learned, yeah. I learned about this industry there, uh, and I'm very, very grateful for, for the time I spent at, at the large company I came from. Um, but if I had to say, what would I change? I would have left earlier. I think I would have left earlier. You know, I would have started this uh, entrepreneurial journey earlier. Now, the timing might not have been right, yeah. and maybe Steve and I wouldn't have found each other, and Mark yeah. Viner and I came over here together, yeah. and you know, yeah. so so I wouldn't change any of that, and it's yeah. worked out so phenomenally well. Uh, but but you know, if if I you know instead of ten years, you know, I would say my first five or six or seven years in the big company were phenomenal. Yeah. I would say I just tolerated a lot the last two or three years. Yeah. Um, you know, I watched a lot of changes at the top of the organization that, yeah. that drove me crazy. Um, and, and, you know, I was, I was always, you know, basically, um, having to defend the company for mm -hmm. their actions and decisions and changes they were making that I actually didn't agree with. Yeah. Uh, and nobody would listen because uh, I was in a big company. And then I actually had to be the one, you know, I was pouring the Kool-Aid so everybody could drink it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I tolerated a lot. And I realized that, um, you know, once I got here, how much I tolerated. I, you know, when I was in it, I didn't realize it. When I got out of it, I realized it. And so I would just say, you know, I should have spoken up for myself sooner. You know, I probably I probably should have left a little earlier and started this journey earlier. Um, so that that you know, listen to your instincts, listen to your gut. You know, I think yeah. would be the you know, uh, listen to your spouse. Yes. Right. You yeah. know, um, because I think a lot of times they, you know, we all have blind spots. You know, yes. part of why I'm in the Young Presidents Organization. One of the best things about YPO is is you're in a forum, and in your forum you can have very confidential, open discussions with your forum mates. Uh, about all kinds of topics, whether it's business, personal, what have you. And, and one of, um, you know, having open, authentic conversations with other people, right, uh, that, that don't have a vested interest or skin in the game, um, it, it's really great. Um, I would tell you, one of the things that, that you find out is that, you know, everyone has blind spots. Yeah, without a doubt. We yeah. all have blind spots, yes, and yeah. they're all different. Yes. Um, and, you know, and you really have to count on the people around you to point them out and yeah. don't get so offended by it. Yeah. You know, you'll be, be open, you know, be open to it. You have to be vulnerable to, to grow and learn. Right. And so, you know, that's part of the YPO you know, process is it's, it's a, it's a, um, it's a, um, uh, a place where you could just be, you know, be yourself and be open, uh, and, 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 you know, be able to learn and do it in a safe, confidential environment. Right. And, and I think, um, 
too often people in our lives are telling us things that we're just not open to listening. Mm -hmm. uh, we're just closed off to the advice because, oh, they don't understand. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times they're right. So, you know, if, if more than one person makes comments to you about something, you might want to start saying, well, maybe I have a blind spot. Maybe I need to be open to this. Let me explore this a little further. Hey, you brought this up. Do you mind sharing with me why you keep saying that, or, or you know, what are you seeing that I'm maybe not seeing? Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's an important, uh, you know, you know, as you grow in life and in your career, um, um, you know, being open to advice and guidance and wisdom from other people uh, is is really important. Again, get back to self awareness. Yes, hundred um, percent. Without a very very important attribute is self awareness. Without a doubt. Without that, what are you grateful for now? This one's easy, um, yes. so I'm I'm grateful for the people in my life. Um, yeah. I I uh, I am I am very blessed um, to just be in a great, amazing long-term marriage. You know, um, I have great kids, I have great friends around me. Uh, you know, uh, I, have, I have two brothers that are two of my closest friends. Mm -hmm. Right, I'm close with my parents. I'm close with my wife's parents. Right, mm -hmm. so so I think I think um, you know family is just outstanding. Uh, you know, I, I happen to work in a company with you know, business partners that I, I call my best friends that I love being around at work and outside of work, yeah. um, you know, and so yeah, I work with great people. And, and again, being in the profession I'm in, I get to meet so many amazing uh, entrepreneurs and professionals across every industry and size of company. And, um, you know, so I just, and, and, and between YPO uh, and, and, and the charity work, charitable work we've done, you know, I, I think, you know, I've just gotten so much exposure to having so many great people in my life uh, that, that, I mean, most people will never come across as many amazing people as I get to yes. uh, just being in the line of work I'm in. You know, I, I mean, if I'm in a people business and and um, I, I'm very, very blessed and fortunate to just be surrounded by great people. Awesome. Matt, parting wisdom bites, just a couple of them now. What's your one best piece of advice for the younger generation entering the workforce? Really, really interesting one. I think we touched on it before is, you know, try to find something that you think is, is really, you know, um, uniquely suited for you. Yes. And, you know, I, I, again, I think, I think we wind up pursuing other people's dreams for us yeah. too often. Yeah. Right. So, so, um, you really have to you really have to know you know who you are you know what's important to you you know what are you what are you you know what are you what are your unique abilities as I mentioned them before yes um, and and um, um, you know make sure you're you're choosing a path that you think is something that you you know it's going to lead to something else that you want to do right um, so that first job is really critical um, it doesn't mean you can't make a mistake and choose the wrong company or what have yeah. you, but but choosing a path uh, that you feel like is going to be right for you. Uh, and again, I chose auditing, but not to be an accountant. Yeah, yeah. Right? I, I actually I, I I didn't see myself as an yes. accountant. I knew when I was studying in school I wasn't going to be an accountant. Yeah, yeah. But I knew Price Waterhouse was a great avenue to start my career. Yes. So I used it as really a stepping stone. Yeah. Um, you know, and I so so sometimes that first job is just a. Uh, it's just it's just a you know it's it's a step on the path yes. right and it's, it's a journey yes. um, and and you know uh, if you get it wrong it's okay you know you can you can figure it out great advice great advice and my last point you must have a favorite interview question just one your favorite interview question or you may have two uh, up to you but 
and why? So I'll think about hiring here yes. Uh, yes. more so because that's a bigger part yes. of my job yes, these days course, uh, than, course, yeah. than hiring for my clients. So, so I, I would say probably um, my my favorite question is you know what's missing for you in your current role, and what are you hoping to find in your new role? Like what's important to you? Yes. It comes down to what's important to you, and I. It's an open-ended question, right? Yes. Um, but but you know, it, we call them in our industry. We call them pushes and pulls. Yes. Right. What's what you know? What's pushing them out of their yeah. company or pulling them to another company or what have you? Is really you know what's important to you? You know what are you hoping to get out of this move? And 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 you know what's missing right now? Yeah. You know those. It's kind of a, a, a you know, uh, it really opens a lot of dialogue. And and then what's amazing about that question is you'll get the answer from that person about what's so important to them and why they want to leave and that sort of thing. And then they take a counter offer. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll get back to that. <laughs> I know that wasn't part of your question to me, but 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 you know, right. uh, you know, they don't like the environment. They don't know how they, they don't like yes. how they're being treated. It's yeah. a horrible culture. Yes. And then, you know, the company gives them, you know, some more money and they stay and you say I, I, I don't understand. You know, this we had this whole conversation about what was important to you and what mm -hmm. was missing and why you wanted to leave, and yes. none of those things are changing. You're just making more money to be in a miserable place. Yeah. yeah. Um. And 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 so, um, yeah. That 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 one opens up a lot, and I do that early, by the way. Yes. yes. Especially when I'm interviewing people for here. Yeah. You know, because I want to make sure they're they're coming to our company for the right reasons, right? Yeah, yeah. You know? And and you know, if it's just about money, we might not be the right place. Yeah. You know, some by the way, sometimes it's money. Sometimes people are underpaid sure. or they're on a bad comp plan. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. but the other pieces have to be there for sure. Um, so anyway, that's probably my favorite question. I've never really thought about it by the way, but I, I think that's it's a great question. Love it. Any perspective, Matt, just for the audience, the up and coming leaders on the hot professions? Maybe one or two hot professions that you see out there that are really up and coming and will emerge as uh, you know key professions in the next one to five years. Well, I mean, we all we all see the advancements in technology, yes, right? Yeah. So you know, if you think there's entire industries being created yes, yeah. uh, that didn't exist before, yes. right? So, um, and I'm not a technologist, yes, yeah. so I don't know. Uh, in my the folks in my technology division yes. would know better, but you know, when you when you look at artificial intelligence, yes, yeah. uh, you know, it's an industry that's going to create incredible amounts of jobs, but yes. it's also an industry that's going to mm -hmm. eliminate a yes, lot of jobs, yeah. right? Yeah. So you know, as of today, AI. Uh, has been an accelerator for our business. It's yes. made all of the the systems and tools that we give our our, our recruiters and salespeople uh, more robust, so yeah. they can do their jobs faster and better. Yeah. Uh, the matching technologies and and, and um, uh, so so I think, yeah. So I, I think AI. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you have to think about you know information security. Yes. Yeah. You know, cyber. Yeah. Uh, and and you know um, you know it's it's unfortunate that there's so many people out there. That are clearly brilliant. That are that are using those talents for bad versus good. Yeah, uh, yeah. they're trying to steal from people and, and crash companies and, and and you know hold them hostage and all those sorts of yes, things. Yeah, you know, and you just think to yourself, wow, if you really put this knowledge and experience, I mean, to good to good use, you could probably do something special. But yeah. unfortunately, there's a lot of bad actors out there that are trying to get at our information. Yeah, uh, and they're trying to hurt our companies and, and and hold them for ransom. So I think that you know. 
that that's just a huge you know that's a huge exploding you know industry yeah uh, so and again there's there's so many other facets right uh, but uh, yeah technology is you know if you embrace it properly is 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 is, is making us all you know better yeah. and 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 you know more I, I would say efficient and we can do things a lot faster than we used to do them uh, but but you know it's also going to change the landscape and, and people need to be aware of you know what jobs can be eliminated by by a computer right or, or by a you know a, a, a software programmer absolutely matt thank you so much uh, what tremendous perspective i mean uh, you know there are some serious wisdom bites <laughs> to our audience here fabulous as always and i love you very much matt you know that and and of course the family as well but um again thank you so much this has been a tremendous session i appreciate the opportunity i love you too and it's always great seeing you and the big smile on your face <laughs> and uh look forward to doing it again all right thank you so much all right, buddy. Take thanks i hope that you found today's session valuable if so please follow me on instagram at outram.richard and post your comments thank you again until the next podcast <laughs>